So I said, we're in this journey of here to there, and we looked at last week, Joshua, where he started and how God began to move him. But there's something that happens in the in-between from the where you currently are and where God is going to lead you and where he is leading you. There's this big space of what happens in the in-between, what happens between here and there. There's a game that we play in our house. Our kids uh, came up with this, and uh, so we play this all the time. It's become quite the staple in the household, where the, the way that it's, it's played is any person in the family at any point at home or in public, which makes it a little bit interesting when we go out in public, at any point can say the word freeze, and whoever you're talking to has to freeze. And of course, our kids love this, and they'll do it at the most inopportune time. So I'll be reaching for something in the kitchen, and Connor's watching me. He says, Dad, freeze. <laughs> and I have to wait until he says the word unfreeze. And he says, unfreeze. And so then I'll do that with our kids. I'll, they'll be in the middle of doing something. I'll say, Connor, freeze. And he has to stay completely still for the rest of the day, because I never say unfreeze. <laughs> it's the perfect game, parents. He's like, it's how the rules go. I'm sorry. You have to stay put. Can't talk, can't move until I say unfreeze. They eventually move past that, but my little one hasn't figured it out yet. Anyway, so we do that a ton. It's a lot of fun where you just freeze and then you eventually get unfrozen. But as we talk about the here to there, it feels like life in that in-between just looks at you and says freeze sometimes. Where you're going through life and you're moving right along, you're taking next steps, things are moving forward, God is leading you, all the relationships seem to be going well, life kind of lines up, it's not perfect, but hey, you can't complain, it's going well. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, life says, freeze. You're like, I don't want to freeze. I was right in the middle of something. I was, I was doing well, I was moving. Say unfreeze real quick so we can keep going. And it feels like we just are constantly being told to stop. On this journey from here to there, those moments of life where it feels like they just say, where life is calling out freeze, and you can't move forward because you feel stuck. That's what we're going to talk through this morning. Joshua's journey from here to there, there's many of these freeze moments, these moments where he and the Israelites are going to feel stuck. But God, you're leading us, and God, you're calling us, but it feels like we can't move forward. Philippians chapter one, you don't have to turn there. Let me just read this and we'll pray and, and jump into Joshua. Philippians chapter one, verse six says, and I am certain that God who began a good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Oh, I love that passage. Because it's as if Paul is looking at each of us saying, God's not done with you yet. He's 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 not done with me yet. He's not done with us yet. He who began a good work in us, guess what? Is going to keep working in us and through us and with us until that one day, that finally that one day where Jesus comes back where we meet him face to face. So we all have a here and God is leading us through to get to there. So know that God is working in you. He's not done with you yet. And in those moments where it feels like you can't move forward, what feels, feels like you're frozen, you're stuck, or there's things keeping you from moving forward, hold on to this promise that God has began, he has begun a good work in you and he will continue that work until it is finally complete. 
I read something the other day that describes us as believers. If you're a believer in Jesus, if you're a disciple, he said this, disciples are learners. As disciples of Jesus, we are called to the lifelong adventure of learning to follow him closely and faithfully. I love that. It is an adventure, isn't it? It's not much of an adventure if you just cruise along from here to there. No, the adventure implies there's ups and downs and difficulties and plot twists and all these other parts that make an adventure truly an adventure. But may we recognize the promise that from here to there, God is working in us. He's not done with you yet. But it's up to us as a believer and a follower of Jesus to learn how to follow him closely and step by step. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for how you're leading us for how you move in us, for how you work in us. And we, we open our hands to you and we, we submit to whatever you would do in our lives, how you want to grow us and develop us and mold us into who you're creating us to be, to how to move and lead us to where you desire us to be. Oh God, I would pray that you would speak to each and every one of us individually this morning, that as we open up Joshua's story and we hear his story, God, that we would that we would hear that through the lens of our own life and our situations and what you're doing in us and how you're leading us. Speak, Lord. We are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you do have your Bibles, head over to Joshua. We're gonna be mainly in Joshua chapter three. Let me give you a little context to catch you up. So last week we saw Joshua gets tapped on the shoulder by God. It was Moses leading the Israelites. He's the one that led everybody out of Egypt. Now Moses is dead. So God calls up Joshua, his assistant, and says, Joshua, it's your time. It's your turn to lead these people of Israel out of the wilderness and into where? Where are they going? The promised land. That's right. God says, Joshua, the time has finally come. This promise that is generations old, all the way back to Abraham. Joshua, now you get to lead them to it. How exciting. The people are excited. They are ready to move out of, the, out of the wilderness and into the promised land. And last week, we saw all of the changes that Joshua was dealing with, all of the new that he was having to walk into. A very difficult season, but he did it with strength and he did it with courage. And now we get to see them begin their journey into the promised land. Joshua chapter 3, verse 5. Listen to how Joshua talks to the people. Super excited. He said, Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves. That means set yourself apart or get ready. Be prepared. Get ready for tomorrow. The Lord will do amazing things among you. In other words, Joshua tells these people, you have been waiting literally for generations for what is going to happen tomorrow. And I would imagine like people excited, but also like tomorrow, tomorrow, like actually tomorrow or like God's time can be whatever tomorrow. Which one? Because we've been waiting and waiting and waiting. And now you're telling us it's happening tomorrow. Oh, it had to have been so much joy, so much anticipation, so much excitement. So they do. They get ready. We pick it up in verse 14. Listen to what they begin to do is they make this journey out of the wilderness and into the promised land from here to there. Verse 14. So when the people broke camp, they had to pack everything up. That was part of the getting ready. So they packed up, they broke camp to cross the Jordan River. The priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan River is at flood stage all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan River and their feet touched the water's edge, remember that, we're coming back to it, super important. As soon as their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam. While the water was flowing down to the Dead Sea, it was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. 
The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan River and stood on dry ground while all of Israel passed by till the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. They've been waiting for this moment for so long. God's promise to lead them into the promised land had almost felt like a fairy tale because when is it ever going to actually happen? Oh, and now it happens. They finally are able to cross the Jordan River and make it into the promised land. Now, we read through that pretty quick. I mean, not that many verses, but we just blew through it like, like in one breath. Let me take you through that. And maybe, just maybe, you can get a little bit in the mindset of what the Israelites would have been going through. Verse 5, Joshua says, get ready. Tomorrow's going to be the day. Tomorrow's the exciting day. We are finally, finally making it into the promised land, so get ready. So verse 14, remember, they broke camp. They got all their stuff together. They got everything packed up, got kids in tow, everything they owned on their backs, and they begin to travel and follow God where he's leading them. And as they begin to follow, they recognize... The river's in the way. They get everything together, and then they get to where they're supposed to go, and God's saying, on the other side of the river, that's where I'm leading you. That's the promised land. That's where I'm calling you to go. And they get to the edge of the river, and they're like, but there's a river there. <laughs> Not just a river. Did you catch this? When they got to the river, they went ahead of them. The Jordan River is at flood stage. So not only are they frozen, stuck, Man, we want to make it across the river, but literally there's a river in our way, and it is, it's flooded. Anytime we're following God from here to there, I said we're talking mainly about the in-between parts of that today. Every time you follow God from here to there, there's always going to be a river to cross and an obstacle to overcome every single time. It's that adventure part, right? It's not just smooth sailing, but there's a tension we feel there, isn't it? Where God, you promised, put the Israelites in this context, where God, you promised to, that you would lead them to the promised land, you promised that you would take care of them, you promised you would lead them. We even read in Joshua chapter one where God promised no one will be able to stand against you. And if I'm one of the Israelites, I'm like, that's a great promise. There's still a river in my way. That's great that no country will be able to stand against us. It's great that no person can fight against us. It's great that you're gonna give us this land. But there's still a problem here, God. We can't get there because of the river. This is as if God just said, I'm going to send you to the promised land. I'm going to lead you, but freeze. Don't move. But we're so ready. We're tired of being on this side of the river. We're ready to go. But they couldn't because the river was in the way. That word there is called stuck. When you're trying to get someplace and you physically can't get there, you get stuck. So verse 14 said that they packed everything up. I'm sure there was a lot more than just this one chair. You get the gist. They pack everything up. They begin walking. They get to the edge of the river. They know they're supposed to get across the river, but they can't because once again, the river's in the way. So they're stuck. Still holding on to the promise of God that, okay, you're supposed to lead us to something better, but still stuck, unable. Think of the phrases that probably would have been said at this point. It's impossible to cross the river at flood stage. There's no way we can get ourselves across the river. I could maybe get across, but my whole family, that's just not going to happen. So you guys are going to have to take one for, I'll take one for the team. I'll make it. You guys will have to stay back. Maybe some of us can make it, but all of our stuff is not going to make it. It's going to be impossible to get an entire nation across this river. We can't. 
that had to have been what was going through their minds. Now, let me take it a step further, because what happens when you stay stuck long enough? If you stood at the edge of that river long enough, feeling stuck, being stuck, unable to move, unable to move forward, still holding on to the promise from here to there, the longer we stay, stay stuck, eventually we decide to just settle down, don't we? At first, we are, we're almost upset that we can't move forward. But then we just start to accept it. And we start to say, you know what? This is the closest we've ever been to the promised land. This isn't that bad of a spot. I mean, we're right here in front of the river. We can see the promised land from here. I can learn to live with this. You know what? I can deal with this. This is not so bad. We begin to change how we think, don't we? Don't miss it. Stuck says, we should be over there. I want to be over there, but I can't, and I don't know how. Settling says, it's actually not so bad. I can learn to live this way. I can deal with this. Not a problem. It's part of life. I can't do anything about it, so I might as well embrace it. That's what settling sounds like. When you get stuck long enough, you get in a very dangerous place of settling. Begin to just think through some relationships for a second. Relationships in all areas of our lives. Think about our relationship with God. And God desires so much for you and of you and wants to see you do some incredible things, but there's a lot of rivers in the way, isn't there? There's a lot of obstacles in the way, very difficult ones. I don't always know what to do. And so we begin to settle. You know what? My relationship with God's not that bad. It's okay. I can, I can deal with this. We do this in our families. Not saying you settled on who you married. I'm not going down that road by any stretch. But we can settle in the relationship. At some point, we feel like, well, man, I'm going to work hard at my marriage and I'm going to give my kids my best. But at some point, it's like, you know what? We actually don't have that bad of a family. My marriage is better than most. I mean, we're better than them over there, so we've got something going for, going for us, right? We begin to settle. We can go through every relationship in our lives, and I bet we could all identify parts of our relationships and parts, parts of our lives where we started out stuck just not knowing what to do, not knowing how to move forward. And so then we eventually just accepted it, embraced it, and said, well, it is what it is. It's not that bad. If the Israelites stayed stuck long enough and settled, they would have completely missed on the promised land of where God wanted them to go. Please don't miss that. If they would have settled on this side of the Jordan River, they would have missed out on, remember those amazing things that we read about in verse five? They would have completely missed. So if you don't hear anything, if you, if you would just hear at least one thing from this morning, don't settle. Stop settling. Stuck is different than waiting. Sometimes we have to wait on God. It feels like we're standing at the edge of the river for quite a while. You promised, God. You promised. Oh, but don't unpack. Don't get settled. Keep waiting for God to move, but don't allow your stuck to turn into settling. We have to be willing to move forward. Jesus describes himself as a shepherd in John chapter 10. 
And as he's describing that relationship between us and him, again, him as a shepherd, he says this, John chapter 10, verse 10. He says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. He says, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. See, the devil, I believe, can use the lie of settling to steal that abundant life from you. Settling is not a picture of, what does he say? Life and have it to the full. This is not life and life to the full. The promised land for the Israelites was life and life to the full, not settling just on the other side of the river. And so often we settle. Oh, and that's not what Jesus desires for you. Yes, there's a river in the way. But let's not just settle because we don't know how to cross it. So how do we cross it? Well, the same way the Israelites did. What did they do? They followed some instructions. If you want to read through the instructions, we skip from verse 5 to verse 14. Read the rest of those verses. But it says this. So the, they broke camp to cross the Jordan River. Priests went ahead of them. The Jordan was at flood stage. Yet, oh, that's a super important word, meaning God's about to do something. Yet, as soon as the priest who carried the ark, and if you don't know what the Ark of the Covenant is, just watch Indiana Jones. You'll know exactly what I'm talking about. As soon as they carried the ark, and they reached the Jordan, look, and their feet touched the water's edge. Immediately, the water from upstream stopped flowing. Oh, there it is. So they were stuck. We don't know how to get across the river. We don't think it's possible to cross the river. It will be impossible for us to even try to cross the river. But instead of settling, they continued to follow God's instructions with faith and obedience, and you need both. Obedience says, yes, sir, I'll do what you say. Faith says, I'm going to put my feet in the water and let's see what God does. So they do. They get their feet wet. They put their feet in the water. So if you want to get unstuck, if you want to get out of settling and keep following God from here to there, you have to get your feet wet. That's another way of saying, take a next step of faith. We see that throughout scripture, that constant pushing, that constant nudging, that constant directing from Jesus saying, take a next step of of faith. Get your feet wet. No, you can't cross the entire river on your own. No, you're not going to be able to swim across it. No, you can't get all your stuff over it. But yes, you can get your feet wet. You can follow my instructions and do so with faith. And as soon as their feet touched the water's edge, scripture said, God started to do that amazing thing he promised. And the water, we'll talk about upstream in a second, and the water stopped flowing and the entire nation of Israel they were able to cross this river. What was impossible is now possible, but was only possible because they got their feet wet. There's this interesting idea of taking a next step of faith. We, like I said, we see it throughout scripture where oftentimes when we're stuck and we don't know what to do, like we talked about, we naturally go to settling. But God has given us throughout his entire word so many great examples and so much direction on how to keep moving forward even in impossible situations, even when there's a river in the way and an obstacle to overcome. He shows us how to take these next steps of faith and to get your feet wet. If you're a note taker, you're gonna love this next part. If not, you're gonna have to just bear with me for a couple minutes. Let's make this super, super practical. I'm gonna put a bunch of relationships up on the screen. I use these a ton. It helps me categorize my life and, and how to talk to other people about it, right? So there's 10 kind of major relationships. I'm overgeneralizing, but this helps us at least apply this. So you've got God, self, spouse or romantic relationship, family, that can be immediate family, extended family, friends, community, church, work, finances. 
Yes, finances is a major relationship. Enemies, when I say enemies, not people out to kill you, maybe, but probably just people you don't like and don't get along with. You don't see eye to eye, right? So let's think through what we just talked about, the idea of settling and taking a next step of faith, getting your feet wet in the context of each of those relationships. Because if what Jesus said is true, and I believe it is, that he wants you to experience life and life to the full, then that's life not just, not just in the next life of heaven, but that's now and in every single one of those relationships. So here to there in our relationship with God. You recognize where I am in my relationship with God. Take a little bit of an inventory. If you did the here to there journey with me last week, been doing the Joshua plan, then this was part of your homework from last week. So I'm gonna catch the rest of you up. You start with here I am. Here's my relationship with God. But man, God desires more. But there's a lot in the way. Let's take time for example. Our relationship with God is like any other relationship that requires time. It requires an investment, right? You have to spend time and energy putting into that relationship. So we wanna be more, oh, we wanna be a better follower of Jesus. We wanna follow him more, but there's this river in between. It's called time, and I just don't know how I can do more time. I don't know how I can spend more time. I don't have any more time to give. Well, what is a small step of faith? How do you get your feet wet and moving in that direction? Can I suggest read the verse of the day? Get the version Bible app. There's a feet wet opportunity. It's one next step. Do the Joshua reading plan with me. It's a chapter a day. You might not be able to give your entire day reading through his word, but can you give me a chapter a day? Can you read a verse a day? Get your feet wet. Talk about self, that relationship you have, your health, your overall well-being, where you are today, where God's leading you to be. Think fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Yes, I said patience. <laughs> if that's who God's desiring us to be, well, I don't know how I'm gonna become that. You said patience, that just threw the whole thing out. Joy, not right now. Peace, have you ever been in my house? feels like an impossible river to cross, but what's a way to get your feet wet? How do you start in there? Let's talk through that. Let's talk about your marriage. No, let's not talk about your marriage. <laughs> no, we should talk about your marriage. The marriage that God's desiring you to have. Oh, but you don't know and all the things that we've done and all the things we've dealt with. Okay, well, what's, how do you get your feet wet? We're told to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Start there and see how God continues to lead you in your marriage. Finances, everybody loves talking about money in the church. Let's talk about it. God desires life and life to the full. That does not mean rich and wealthy the way you and I probably think rich and wealthy. So please don't mishear me and take this out of context. You might look at your current situation financially and say, man, we're a mess, we're a wreck. There's no way we're ever gonna have freedom from all of this debt and we're able to do what God is calling us to do. It's a big river then between you from here to there. So what's a way to get your feet wet? What's one next step of faith? We do a class called FPU, Financial Peace University. Dave Ramsey talks about making a budget. That's a way to get your feet wet. Tithing. It's not because God needs your money. It's not because the church needs your money because it's a way of letting go. Ultimately, our relationship with Jesus is that of submission. We find freedom in submission. And the tighter we hold on to the other things, the less we're able to let go. So guess what? We tithe because it is the best way for us to say, okay, God, not mine, but yours. Get your feet wet. And like verse five says, get ready and watch God do something amazing. What do you do with your enemies? Well, it's not a relationship that's gonna change overnight. Maybe it shouldn't even necessarily change, but how do you get your feet wet? Maybe forgiveness. Maybe asking for forgiveness. Maybe kindness, even when it's not given to you. 
You see what we can do here? We could go through each of these relationships all day long, talk about where we're at, where God wants to lead us. We could all talk about the reasons we can't make that happen because there's this massive river, there's this obstacle in between us, but can you find a way to get your feet wet, to take one next step of faith? Second Corinthians tells us, it's a pretty famous line, we don't live by sight, but by faith. No, we live by faith. We walk by faith. We make decisions by faith. We get our feet wet by faith, not by sight. So from here to there, when you feel like life said freeze, oh, but I wanna be over there. I'm following you, God. I'm obeying you like I do, or like I should for the most part. But I don't know how we're gonna cross this river. Refuse to settle and look for a way to get your feet wet, to take one next step of faith. And when we do that, just like when the Israelites did that, God did something amazing. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam. Now, literally, God is in this case working upstream, literally. When they touched, when their feet touched the Jordan River at the spot where they were at, across from Jericho, about 30 miles upstream at another city, that's where God stopped the river flow. Now, let me show you this on a map. It'll help it make a little bit more sense. Here's what this would have looked like, give or take. You've got, you see where the Jews most likely crossed because it tells us that they were going to cross around Jericho. Then that's where their feet would have touched the water. Then 30 miles north, the town of Adam, that's where scripture says that God stopped the flow of water. Starts up there at the, Meta, or at the Sea of Galilee, all the way down to the Dead Sea, but he stopped it at a place about 30 miles up. Now, here's why that's significant. If I'm one of the Israelites or Joshua, I'm probably expecting the Red Sea kind of parting moment. They would have heard stories of coming out of Egypt and God parting the Red Seas in front of them and just a tower of water on both sides as they walked through on dry land. I would have imagined as they got their feet wet, they would have been like, Where's the pile of, where's, where's the walls? Like, this is supposed to be a Red Sea thing. You promised we were going to walk. You promised. What they did not see was he, what he was doing literally 30 miles upstream. So those feet touched the water and like, did it work? And in time, you started to see the waters recede until they were able to cross on dry ground. When you take a next step of faith, You have no idea what God is doing upstream and downstream and in ways that you cannot imagine. When you take that next step and get your feet wet, you have no idea what God is doing behind the scenes. That's the promise. The promise is that God is working for you. He is working with us. And he is doing something that we probably can't even see. Romans chapter eight speaks to this promise. Romans eight, verse 28. And we know that in all things, say all things with me, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now, don't pull that out of context. It doesn't mean everything is good that happens. No, God is working for the good. He's allowing things to happen and making other things happen. He's working upstream. He's working behind the scenes so that in all things, say it one more time with me, so that in all things, God is working, but guess what we have to do first? Get our feet wet. Take one step of faith and allow God to do some amazing things where we now are aligning our hearts and our will with his. 
and God begins to work, even if it's 30 miles away and we can't see how it all is happening. He is still working. So, do you find yourself stuck or maybe even settling? If so, let me give you a couple questions just to begin to think through. And I, I think these are more than just questions to ask today. I'm hoping you wrestle with these this week. First question, where am I stuck and where am I settling? Have I gotten to a place where I just, I just don't see how I can move forward? I don't see how this can actually work. God, I hear what you're saying and I heard what Brian was saying, but I just don't see how it's possible. Probably the same thing that the Israelites were saying as they were stuck on the other side of the river. But let me say it again, do not settle. So where are you stuck? You've got to ask, you've got to answer that one first. Which relationship? Go through those 10. Which relationship do you feel stuck in? Which relationship do you feel like you're settling in? And then the follow-up question is even more important. What is one step of faith you can take? What does it look like to get your feet wet, to move out of stuck and out of settling? And yes, it is a scary thing. And yes, it doesn't always make sense. And yes, you're not gonna always see how it's always gonna work out. I can't swim across the river, but I most certainly can get my feet wet. Take that one step of faith. Now, there's an interesting thing that happened afterwards, right? So they got all excited across the, the Jordan River into the promised land, only to find themselves stuck because the river was in the way. Oh, but God provided a way because their feet got, they got their feet wet. And they moved across. Everybody walked across on dry land. Everybody was super excited and happy. We finally made it. Well, kind of. We're going to talk about that next week. That's the Jericho story. So be here. It's going to be a fun story to tell. They got really excited that they finally made it. God's promise came true. So God gives them another set of instructions. This is interesting because guess what? God always has another step for you, always. As soon as they cross the river, I've got something else I want you to do. Don't miss this. Joshua chapter four, verse one. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan River, right from where the priests are standing and carry them over with you. Put them down at the place where you stay tonight. The celebration didn't last that, that long before God gave them a whole other set of instructions. Here's the next step. You see what God does there? Get your feet wet. Good, cross the river. Great, go get these 12 stones. Great, go put them over here. Great, one step at a time. So if you're like me, if you would have been like the Israelites, well, like, why are we getting these 12 rocks from the middle of the river here, Joshua? Joshua answers them. Here's why this was important. Verse 20. And Joshua set up at Gilgal the 12 stones that they had taken out of the Jordan. He said to the Israelites, in the future, when your descendants ask their parents, what do these stones mean? Tell them this. Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea. And when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. Here it is. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful so that you might always fear the Lord your God. So we made it. We're across. We moved from here to there. Woo! Now we need to go get these rocks and bring them over so that when your kids say, why in the world, Dad, why do we have these 12 massive rocks on the side of this river? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. Let me tell you the story. 
You see, we were on that side of the river, and we were stuck, and we had no idea how we were going to possibly get over here. God had promised that we would get to this side where you are now, but we weren't able to do it on our own, and we were stuck, and we weren't sure what to do. But then God told us to do something crazy. He told us to get our feet wet. He told us to just put our feet in and watch him do something. We thought it was the dumbest idea ever, but guess what we did? We did. We put our feet in the water, and we don't know how it happened because we didn't see it right here, but the water stopped flowing until all we saw was dry ground. And so all of us, everybody you know, kids, everybody got to walk across on dry ground. And we never wanted to forget that moment. And I knew you were gonna ask me that story one day. So we picked up these rocks and we carried them from the middle. Every single one of these rocks, guess what? We picked it up from right there in the middle of the river. No way we would have ever been able to do that unless God did what only he could do. So we stacked them all here so every time someone asked, we could tell that story. Because we couldn't have done it without God. We couldn't have done it without his power. We couldn't have done it without his faithfulness. So guess what, son? That's why we do what we do. Every way that we live, we do because of his power and his faithfulness. Every step we take is because of his power and his faithfulness. If you ever wanna know why we live the way that we do, because those rocks tell a story of his power and his faithfulness, so never forget it. That's the story of those rocks. So as you walk from here to there, whatever you're here and there are, remember, he's working in you. He's not done yet. In between, there's going to be a lot of rivers to cross. There's going to be a lot of obstacles to overcome. Get your feet wet. Refuse to settle. Refuse to stay stuck and take one next step of faith. And watch God work. The next step after that, oh, make sure you don't forget. We remember his faithfulness and his power. And that helps us take our next steps every day. Now, we don't have 12 rocks that we remember very well. That's not part of our story necessarily. We have the cross. And the cross is what we use to remember what Jesus has already done for us. That what Jesus did on the cross, his crucifixion, is what has given us life. His death and suffering has given us freedom and salvation. Not because we deserve it, by no means can we ever earn it. His grace and his forgiveness is a gift. And so we remember that. With joyful hearts, we remember that. That's why we take communion to remember, Jesus commands us, do this and you know it, remembrance of me. So if you have your communion at home or here in the room, let me explain, I'll pray, and then I'll give you a moment to take it. The top part is the cracker, the bread that represents Jesus' body that was broken for us, beaten for you and for me. The juice represents Jesus' blood that was poured out for you and for me. Once again, his sacrifice that has given us life. Parents, if you've got your kids at home or here in the room, totally up to you if you want your, child, your children to take communion with you. All I would ask is that you do it as a family if you want to do so. If they're not ready for that, that's totally okay. It's a great way, like the 12 rocks, to one day explain to your children, here's why I do this. Let me tell you the story of Jesus and the cross and why we celebrate a man that died. But is he dead? No. He is alive. His death and his life gives us life 
like we read out of John 10, 10. Not just life, but life to the full. Let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you so much for what you have already done, for how you have made a way when it seemed impossible for us to get to you, and most certainly it would have been impossible for us to get to you, you bring yourself in the form of a baby to live, but also to die for us. The cross is our way of remembering how you bridged that gap, how we were able to cross the river, so to speak, and to be with you again. So Jesus, thank you for the cross. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for your forgiveness and for your grace and for your unconditional love. As we take a moment to remember you and all that you have done for us, I pray that we also begin to think on that next step of faith. If we've been stuck, if we have been settling, I pray that we jump out of our seats and begin to take those next steps in following you because of what we remember that you've already done. Your power and your faithfulness moves us to take a faithful next step. Thank you for the life that you've given us. In Jesus' name. Amen.